I've been called many things, uh, but I've never been called a preacher before. And so when I, when, when I received the bulletin uh, yesterday and I saw guest preacher, that was, a, that was kind of a bit of a shock, actually. I thought, <laughs> is that really me? And, and, uh, but nevertheless, here I am. And uh, um, Kent asked me if I would say a little bit about myself, and that's really rather difficult to do. Uh, I've been an immigrant almost all my life, uh, in fact, all my life, uh, been a refugee, an asylum seeker, an illegal boat person, uh, smuggled as a child in between countries. And uh, I never imagined, as I was growing up as a, as a resistor, I never imagined that my life would bring me to this country. Uh, um, but it did, 18 years ago. And when I arrived here... Um, I came at about the same time as um, 9-11 and George Bush uh, presidency was in full momentum. And as you can imagine, it was a difficult moment for all of us. And, uh, and I, my first instinct was to go back from where I came. And I stayed. And I felt very much as if I was called to be here. And I don't know what, what it was. But uh, as the longer I stayed here, the more unsettled I, fe- I felt about being here until I, f- until I was looking for something that I could do with my life that would be meaningful. And uh, I'd been doing a lot of community uh, participation work in Australia before I came here. And uh, so when I, when I was looking for, for where I think people had been forgotten, just as we see in Matthew chapter 25, the least of the family. And at about the same time, I, I, was, in, I was also in Thailand and visited the Christian prison ministry um, in the Bangkok Hilton, as it's known. Uh, it's actually a, a terrible prison in Bangkok. And I visited, visited two, two or three prisons. It was a uh, a men's prison, a women's prison, and a juvenile detention center. And I also experienced the, uh, the, the tremendous work that's happening in redemptive uh, work in baptism and in, in, the, um, in literacy uh, by the Christian prison ministry. And one of the women I was talking to said the most profound statement. She said, we are not society's trash. He was a, a young woman who poverty had driven her to, to drug trafficking, and, um, and she was imprisoned. And when she was released uh, by her encounter with the Christian prison ministry, uh, she's, and she was um, talking to me, and she said, we're not society's trash. And, when I, I, and I thought, we forget so many people. We, we tie them up into plastic bags and dispose of them or we think we do, but we don't dispose of them. And there are millions of people in this country who've been systemically and systematically forgotten, neglected. Not by everybody, but by many people. And many people have been neglected by my profession. So I tried to find one of the darkest places in, in this city, and, um, and it took me to two prisons, uh, a women's prison in Framingham, 
and a men's prison in, uh, in Boston called the Norfolk Prison. And we have been working there for the last seven years. Um, we've been working there to create all kinds of, uh, uh, you know, um, Kent made some introductory remarks about it. It's a place where it was, it, it was difficult, actually, you know, the, I can still remember the first time I went in there, this kind of toxic atmosphere of the, of the place. And, and, then this, and then you go in there, and, you, and I remember that first day when you looking at the looking at the trauma on the faces of the people who were there, but they were they had expectations and and then we you know I and I've and, and over the years what we did was to try to create hope where there's so little hope and where there's despair, to create an atmosphere of, of love where there's hate and and resentment, where there's uh, to work towards um, to work towards, um, well, really, really to, to work with, with expression of all kinds and to mobilize the community there in the, in the, in the communities in which we work in that, in that prison. And one of, one of the wonderful people I met in, over the seven years who worked with us for a long time is a young man called Q, who's here today. Q was released from uh, having served multiple sentences. Q was released from prison a few weeks ago. And uh, we're very happy that Q is with us today. Welcome, Q. So this, so this part of, of the kind of homily uh, is a conversation uh, with, with Q. I want to... Uh, Q, tell us just very quickly in, in uh, any words that you want to about, about you. So, first, I just want to say thank you um, for having me here. I appreciate it. Um, again, I want to thank these guys. Believe it or not, I love this professor. Um, like he said, I've done multiple um, times or uh, incarcerations. You know, um, I can't explain it. Like most minorities, I was born in the South Bronx to a very poor family. My mom was, you know, a heroin addict, and my father was never there. In fact, by the time I was nine, my mom gave me away to one of her dealers so that I can be molested while she gets high. Um, by the time I was 10, I tried killing myself. Um, by the time I was 14, I had already been shot at, stabbed, ran over by a truck, and was a founding member of a gang in my own city because I finally reached a point in my life where in order to stop being the victim, I became the predator. And that started my criminal career. At Juvie, I did three years. The day I turned 18, I was arrested in Florida. I did two years down there. And the day I, well, it was a little bit after my 21st birthday, I was incarcerated up here in Massachusetts and recently released from serving 13 years straight. I'm not an angel, but the system is so flawed and so broken that my experience in there transformed me, and a lot of it is due to this class, is due to the work that this gentleman does, because he created a safe zone in that prison where we were allowed to be something other than what we'd known our whole lives. 
I mean, the very first day I walked into that class, I'm sitting across another rival gang member whom one of my brothers had like just recently attacked one of his and put him in the hospital. And this gentleman comes in and he tells us we're going to sit in a big circle, hold hands, and close our eyes. <laughs> Which is something you don't do in grown prison, especially when your rival enemy is sitting right across from you. Yet, it was the experience of doing that, as well as watching the other individual do it, that began the transformation in both of us. Because I'm actually friends with that dude to this day. Um, I don't know what much more to say other than I really do value what this gentleman does. I value what his choir does because they speak for individuals who don't normally have a voice. And I am completely transformed as well as mesmerized by the way that they interact all aspects of artistic expression. And it was through that process in the class when he literally, he would have us acting. I mean, CEOs think he's crazy because they would come by doing rounds and some of us be on the tables or on top of the cabinets. Like, it was literally going through that, that my own walls and shells began to crack because I grew into a state where I had gone indifferent. I didn't want to feel nothing. And he brought me back into a state where he made me realize that it's in those moments when we are vulnerable and when we are feeling especially uncomfortable emotions that we are most human. Thank you very much, Keith.